Father in heaven, I reverently kneel before you, acknowledging my need, thanking you so much that you choose darkness to reflect light. Thanking you so much that you choose sinners to tell creation's story. Thanking you that you choose the weak, the, the, the weak to confuse the wise. And Lord, I come before you asking that you would join us this morning, that you would speak to me and through me, that you would be with my sick and fragile voice, and that you would help me to be able to share what I've been studying. I pray this humbly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Vanessa, can you grab my water? I think I left it over there. All right, is failure part of God's plan? If I were to have some sort of statement or thesis of this message, it would be success is not defined by the result, but by the faithfulness through the journey. And that's what we're going to be studying today. Let's delve right into the scriptures and go to Judges chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Again, we're learning when failure is part of God's plan. We're going to the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Judges, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. If you'll pardon me, my voice isn't as strong today, but it gives me a chance to lean on the strength of God. Judges, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 wait for us all to get there. And before we read, I just have a small disclaimer that the intended audience for today's message is someone who is sincere in their walk with God, someone who has given their heart to God, who's sincerely following Him, and is experiencing failure and wondering why. There are other times God grants us favor, uh, failure. God gives us failure in our lives or trials, and it's because we're in stubborn rebellion that God allows us to go through those things. But my intended audience today is for someone who has made a decision to follow God, they're sincere in the walk with Him, and they're experiencing failure, they're experiencing trials, and they're asking why. Judges chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, Gideon is asking that question. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Notice Gideon's response. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not flattered by the Lord coming to him and calling him a mighty man of valor. Instead, he has a question. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles of which our fathers told us? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Did you understand Gideon's sincere question? Don't call me man of valor. And how is the Lord with us? How is the Lord mighty when we're slaves? I thought we were the apple of God's eye. Gideon is asking a very sincere question, 
The children of Israel, of course, would experience success, but they would fall to their enemies over and over again. Why does this happen? I found this quote that hopefully would help us to answer this question. Patriarchs and Prophets says in page 437, And if they fail to endure the trial, he brings them again to the same point. Did you get that? Have you ever experienced failure in your life and then you experience it again? Or maybe you've gone through a trial, you know you failed, and then another year passes by and you're like, wait a minute, this looks familiar. The prophet of the Lord is telling us that if you fail to endure the trial, guess what? It's coming back. It says the second time the trial will come closer and be more severe than the preceding. This is continued until they bear the tests. Or if they are still rebellious, God withdraws his light from them and leaves them in darkness. In other words, if a trial comes your way, let me tell you what not to do. Don't run from it. Don't give up. Because if you do, guess what's coming back to you? That same trial is coming your way. Some people, they think they could just run away from a trial. They think they just run away from things. But you don't understand, beloved, that trial is coming back to you. And it says this time it will come closer and be more severe than the first one. Five lessons from failure. The first one, if we fail a test, God will bring you to that same trial. That's guaranteed. Second lesson from failure. Let's go to Exodus 3, verse 14. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Very familiar passage. This is the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses is minding his own business. He sees this bush on fire. Bush starts talking to him. He realized God is calling him. God tells Moses, I am that I am in verse 14. And he said, thus shalt you say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Okay. Then, of course, you know, Exodus chapter four, Moses gives a few excuses as to why he's not qualified to lead God's people. I'm not good enough. I'm not eloquent in my speech. He gives excuses. Now, God convinces him by showing him miracle and telling him that he would be with him. So imagine you're Moses. God has said to you, I will be with you. Go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And if he doesn't, Moses, here's the plan. Let's go to Exodus 5. Exodus chapter 5. Now let me ask you the question. What is the result of Moses going to Pharaoh? Now imagine this. God tells you, do this, you'll succeed. And you go in front of Pharaoh and you say, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And you're like, I, I wasn't expecting that. And then Pharaoh says, you know, and for you being so obnoxious, I'm going to make their work a lot harder. Now, that would confuse me. Wait, remember the burning bush and hand leprosy and 
My staff turning into a snake. I, God was with me. Why did I fail? Verse 22, listen to Moses. He also, he also has a questioning moment. Exodus 5, verse 22. Moses returns unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore you have so evil entreated this people, why is it that you have sent me? So he's asking him, why would you send me so that I could what? Fail. Verse 23. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he hath done evil to this people, neither has he delivered your people at all. Now, of course, we know what happens at the very end. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But imagine you're going through this trial. God has told you, do this, you'll succeed, you do it, and you don't succeed. You do it again, you don't succeed. You do it again, you don't succeed. Would you just give up somewhere in there? I love what this quote says. By the way, if you haven't read Patriarchs and Prophets, it is a must read. There is something about this book that gives just new insight to truths that are in there. And you're, you're just scratching your head. I love what this quote says. Patriarchs and Prophets and Prophets and Kings, those two just explain things so well. Sometimes he trains his workers by bringing to them what? Disappointment and notice that. What is that? Ah, there's the key word. What you might think as failure is apparent failure. Doesn't mean you failed yet. It is his purpose that they shall learn to master difficulties. Success will come to them as they struggle against difficulties. Second lesson of failure. God allows failure to build our character through struggling through difficulties. I want to show you a, a picture of my good friend. Some of you might know him. His name is J.R. Cajautel. Now, I got full permission to, to tell this story, so don't worry. Uh, J.R. means a lot to me specifically because he grew up non-Avenous, and he was um, sent, he was given a flyer to a meeting I was preaching in 2006. Grew up Catholic his whole life. Got this flyer. I was preaching, does God exist? He gave his heart to Jesus. I had the privilege of seeing him baptized a year later after doing Bible studies with him. Since then, he has taken over as director of one of the ministries that I've started. And so he's been following God's will. Hasn't backslid, been faithful to God. After doing ministry, following God sincerely, bringing countless of people to GYCs and other different type of youth events, he now says, okay, I could serve God more by being a medical evangelist. He studies real hard, finishes nursing school, takes the NCLEX, guess what happens? Fails. Wait a minute, God. I've read the spirit of prophecy. I've read that the health message goes hand in hand with evangelism. So he takes it again. Guess what happens? Fails. Wait a minute, God. It's not like I'm living a life of rebellion. I'm not going out and partying. I'm not doing those things. What's going on? So he takes it again. And guess what? Fails. Three times. Now you would think maybe God would allow favor to come into his life. No. Failure, failure, failure. What is it like to face friends, especially when the rest of his family is not Avenus? Oh, where's your God now? 
Imagine coming home to your own mother who's still Catholic and says, okay, so you gave your heart to God. You're failing three times. Now, there's a good news to his story, to the story. He passes the fourth time. And I asked JR, I said, why do you think God allowed you to fail? And he said, the, the lessons I've learned through difficulty, the lessons I learned through failure, the lessons I learned to trying and to pick myself up when I was down. He said, I feel is that I can do anything now. And he says, I'm not scared of failure anymore. You know, I think that failure is something that handicaps us. Maybe you saw this on, on the internet, but there's this, this Asian guy and he puts a hundred days of failure. Anyone see that? He basically goes and says, He's going to fail a hundred times. And so he purposely thinks of things where he could fail. Like he randomly asks people at Whole Food, hey, would you go out to dinner with me and my wife? They're like, no, creep. You know, like. <laughs> so he thinks of all of these random things of how he could fail. He's in Las Vegas and, you know, this, this really shy, timid Asian guy is an engineer or something. And he asks like the waitress, would you dance with me? You know, stuff like that. Where you know, like, people are going to think you're kind of, what's wrong with you, you know? Over and over. And then he said, at the end of this experiment, he realized he was cured from the idea of failure. You know, beloved, I believe that God allows us to fail sometimes because there is something about going through failure where we're just like, you know what? I just don't care what people think of me anymore. I'm just going to go out and do it. And, and there's a silver lining to the story. JR, he, you know, one reason why he, he told me he didn't want to be a nurse is he didn't want to, you know, have those three-day, 12-hour shifts. Well, it just so happened the fourth time after he took his NCLEX, he met someone at the Princeton Review, got him his job where he works 40 hours at his own pace whenever he wants. And that only would have happened if he failed, he believes, four times because he met the right person that fourth time. Sometimes God has the right plan for you. You just got to go through the exercises. <laughs> Let's go to Acts chapter 7, verse 21 through 22 as we continue this journey when it is part of God's plan for us to fail. Acts chapter 7. Verse 21. Acts chapter 7, verse 21. Again, studying the story of Moses. I believe that if you want to study failure, there are two people you should study. That's Moses and Peter. Those are the two people that we're going to kind of take a look at. <coughs> Acts chapter 7, verse 21. Notice this. And when he, Moses, was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and in deed. Let me ask you a question. Did Moses learn many things at the University of Egypt? Yes. He learned a lot. In fact, Ellen White says, if you read Patriarchs and Prophets, that he was undefeated in battle and the men would make up songs about Moses. 
They would just think of songs of conquest because Moses was so brilliant. He was all learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in word and deed. Verse 23, and when he was 40 years old, it came to his, into his heart to visit the children of Israel. So now after this, God, he, he knows and he studied the prophecies of Genesis. And he knows that after 400 years that God would send a deliverer. And it's clear to him that he's the deliverer. He's followed and searching the scriptures. And now he believes that he's the deliverer. And watch this. Verse 24. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended them and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Now in Moses' mind, this was the moment. He's undefeated. He understands all the battle plans, knows every way in and out of the kingdom. And in his mind, there are more Israelites than Egyptians. And he says, this is the chance for us to go and take it. And so he smites an Egyptian. He hopes to rally the Israelites and lead them to victory. That's the game plan. But watch this. 25. This has got to be a shocker. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. What does that mean? Moses in his mind, he thought that they would get it. That they would exalt him as hero. But instead he failed. His plan of conquering the Egyptians had failed. He fell flat on his back. Now imagine you're Moses. All you're used to is a silver spoon and a red carpet. Your entire life, you have experienced nothing but royalty. You are next in line for the throne. And you decide consciously to give that up just so you can help these Israelites and you fail. You are now rejected by them. And you're rejected, of course, by the Egyptians. Moses must have felt like a failure. He didn't understand that God was actually learning, uh, teaching him certain lessons along the way. I love what this says here. In order that Moses might be fitted for his appointed work, God separated him from his former surroundings. He was to enter another school, the school of providence. Looking at this experience from a human standpoint, observers would pronounce it a what? I love what Ellen White says. That calls it a splendid failure. Can't get better than that. A splendid failure on the part of Moses. The Lord sent him into the mountains to obtain an education that would fit him to stand as the general of Israel. Of course, you don't see it that way. When you're flat on your back, when you failed in your plans, when you're rejected by both families, you don't see it that way. All you see is the failure in front of you. Help in daily living says it best. Often our plans fail that God's plans for us may succeed. You know, what I've realized is that many times it's actually not failure. It's God moving you from one area where he needs to teach you. And then he's bringing you to another area and saying, I need to teach you here. And in our minds, we're like, oh, I failed. And then you go to another area. I failed again. And God's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just bringing you through 
this master plan I have for your life. I want to tell you another story. This is now my friend Michelle, Michelle Lee. Thank you, Michelle, for letting me use this story. Michelle, imagine this. She graduated from Stanford University, undergrad and graduate level, and she could not find a job. Now, isn't that kind of weird? Like, would you think that that's kind of odd? You, you would think that maybe you go to RCC or San Bernardino Valley College, you apply for a job, you can't get it, you're like, oh, well, I went to RCC or I went to San Bernardino Valley College. Now, you would think in your mind you go to Princeton, Stanford, Yale, you would think you were shooing for just about any type of job. Is that right? Now, imagine for a moment you're applying for a job on there at Stanford, good grades, everything, and you can't get a job. Wouldn't that cause you to question things a little bit? Michelle told me you know, the only opening for a job that she had at the time was an opening at a small school in the middle of nowhere called Watchta Hills College. <laughs> what if failure is simply God moving you through his grand scheme so that he could bring out the character development that he needs for your life? When in reality, you know that you would never pick that in the you know, first place, right? You see, what I realize about human nature is we like, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through the hard things. So God sometimes has to close doors in our life and make it seem like failure when in reality, he's setting you up for success. Another lesson we've learned about failure, failure to us and others might actually be success to God. What if what the world calls failure, God really calls a success? Let's go to our fourth lesson, Matthew 26, verse 33. Matthew 26, and verse 33. Now imagine for a moment with me, you've been following God for close to three years. You've gone where God has gone. You've left your wife and children at home. You don't know how or where you're going to pay rent. You followed Jesus, slept on ships and floors and wherever God has led you. And at the pinnacle of following Jesus... You look to the man that you have been following for the last three years and he sits you down and says, Peter, tomorrow you're going to fail. Just want to let you know. You're going to hear this rooster and you're going to fail. You're going to deny me three times. Now, I would be kind of crushed that the person who I'm following would tell me and Basically, I'm going to fail. That I wouldn't learn after three years of following Jesus how to at least stand my ground. Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet I never will be offended. In other words, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fall. Now we know what happens. 
Peter experiences failure. Now watch this. Watch this inside right here. This for me just floored me. There are some lessons that will never be learned except through what? That doesn't sit well with me. I don't know about you. (laughs) The pen of inspiration is specifically saying, yeah, there are certain lessons that are going to come in your life. And you're only going to learn those lessons through failure, through rejection, through falling. And then it gives us why God allowed Peter to fall. Peter was a what? A better man after this fall. As fire purifies gold, so Christ purifies his people by temptation and trial. How many of you experienced failure and after that you know you are a better person? You are more humble, more teachable, more relatable with others. And God understands that. And so he allowed Peter to go through this fall because ultimately he wanted Peter to be the best that he could be. Let's go through the four lessons of what we've learned so far. Number one, if we fail a test, God will bring us to that same trial. Number two, God allows failure to build our character through struggling through difficulties. Number three, failure is subjective. What if that failure to us is actually success in God's eyes? And number four, some lessons will only be learned through failure. Now, I have another point I want to make regarding Peter. And Desire of Ages brings this one out. It was on the point where he, Peter, that himself strong, that Peter was weak. So here, Peter thought that he was strong in this area, but really, Ellen White says he was weak. And not until he discerned his weakness could he realize his need of dependence upon Christ? So why does God allow us to fall? Because sometimes it's only when we fall that we look up. Had he learned the lesson that Jesus sought to teach him? Now, I love this part. Don't, some of us, we think, oh, so so failure in, in falling is always God's plan. No, 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 no. Let's make sure we get that point clear too. Had he learned the lesson that Jesus sought to teach him in the experience on the sea, he would not have failed when the great test came upon him. So God tries to build us up through the little failures of life. And if you learn the lesson the first time, you won't fail the second time. But because Peter failed and failed and failed and failed, which we already know God will bring that test to us again, He had to go through that big test of denying Jesus. Now, of all the quotes that Ellen White has, and there are a lot of them, I'm going to give you one of my favorites. This right here is my ace up my sleeve, so I'm going to give it to you. Listen carefully. Why does God allow failure? HP 124. Do you make mistakes, Avon Hope? Yes or no? All right, only five people. I know we all make mistakes, right? Do you make mistakes? Do not let this discourage you. Isn't that beautiful? Like if you fall, if you fail, don't let that discourage you. The Lord may permit you to make small mistakes in order to save you from what? Wow. Like that that is such a new concept because in our minds, we we don't want to fail at all. We don't want to go through the shame, the, the feeling of defeat. 
But this quote says that the Lord allows us to go through the small mistakes for the purpose of saving us from what? Making the big ones. That's why I love what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, right? There is no temptation that has taken you that such as is common to man, but God is faithful to what? So that you won't be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. In other words, God measures each trial that, that you come across and he sees if you can overcome. And he will never give you a trial that you can't overcome. And, and sometimes God will give this trial and says, okay, I know this one is going to be hard for you, Michael. And if you fall, it's okay. It's the small one because I want to train you now so that when it really counts, when I step out of the most holy place, when I am no longer interceding for sins, you would have overcome. The last, lessons we, last lesson we can learn, sometimes God allows failure in the small things so we don't fall in the big one. There's a story that my friend Anthony told me about. This happened to my friends Brittany and Thomas. They had their newborn baby and Anthony was telling me the story of how he was just sitting down and reading something and Brittany would allow their baby to fall on the floor. And as you know, if you've ever seen a baby kind of pick himself up and stumble and fall, it sometimes hurts and it's sometimes painful. And my friend Anthony, you know, of course, he, he's single and doesn't know anything about kids, and neither do I. And so he was thinking, man, what a bad mother. <laughs> like, how dare she let her kid fall? Like, you know, she'd watch a kid fall, and the kid, kid would like, you know, have a little rug burn, and he'd get back up, and then he'd fall again. And he's just watching this. And, you know, as my friend Anthony's watching this, he's watching the mother, and the mother's like just sitting there doing nothing. And, and of course, you know, the thoughts of laziness and the thoughts of bad parenting and, oh, she didn't read child guidance. I mean, these thoughts are probably coming in their mind. <laughs> well, then what happens is the baby ventures from the carpet area, moves over to the kitchen where there's tile, hard concrete tile. And as the baby goes into there and is about to fall, the mother gets up from her chair and almost like a superhero grabs her baby before the baby could fall. And as I was thinking about this story and the illustration, I think about what God allows in our lives. He allows us to fall in the areas where maybe we'll get a little bruise or maybe we'll have a little rug burn and it won't feel good and Friends will make fun of you. Maybe God allows us to go through these things, build our character. But if it's an area where we would get seriously injured or hurt, if it's an area where if we would fall, it we would leave Christianity or it wouldn't help us or profit us, God says, no, 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 no. I'm here for you. As I close, I want to bring up one more story. And this story for me is the most difficult story to understand. So I'm going to tell you already. Judges chapter 20. I can't find an explanation in the commentaries. It's not in Patriarchs and Prophets. It's not in Prophets and Kings. This is a, 
a random story that I can't figure out about failure. Judges chapter 20, verse 15. I'm going to close with this story because I believe there's one more point I want to make. You already know the five main points and the five reasons for failure, but there's one more that I want to end with. Judges chapter 20, and here's the context of this story. In this story, the children of Israel are united. That's very rare. They're all united except one specific tribe. That's the Benjamites. And in this story, a high priest or someone from the tribe of Levi, he goes into an area where the Benjamites control. And as he's in that area, the Benjamites, the inhabitants of that city, basically try to kill him and his wife. Now they succeed in killing his wife, but he pretends that he's dead and so they don't kill him. And he goes back to the rest of the 11 tribes and says, this is what the Benjamites have done. They killed my wife. And so all of the leaders, they get together and they think of a plan. Go to verse 15. The children of Benjamin were numbered at that time. There were 26,000. Beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which numbered 700 chosen men. Now it tells you a little bit about the Benjamites. And then you see that the Israel, there were 400,000 men. These are the good guys. Verse 18, the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God. Now let me ask you a question. Are the Israelites doing the right thing by asking counsel of God? Yes or no? Yes. So here they're asking God counsel. Hey, the Benjamites are not with us. They're not united. By the way, they're, they're committing idolatry. They've just killed an innocent person. And they ask God specific advice. What do we do? Notice what it says. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Verse 18. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed to the ground 22,000 men. What happens? Did you get it? The good guys lose. The Israelites who prayed and sincerely asked God, what do we do with Benjamin? God says, I want Judah to go first. And Judah goes, and they're expecting victory. God had told them to go, and they lose 22,000 men. Let's go to the next story. Keep going. Verse 23 now. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord 
until evening and ask counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go up again. So here God is, the, the children of Israel are confused and saying, Do we fight again? Do we try to bring Benjamin in, this wayward tribe? And God says, Go again. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed to the ground the children of Israel, 18,000 men. Same expectation, no explanation. God is telling them to go so they could lose? What's going on here? Verse 26. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord of the Ark of the Covenant of where God was in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before in those days saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin? Or shall I cease? And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow. I will deliver them in your hand. Verse 30. You will see that the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin. And they finally won. But let me ask you a question. Why would God allow them to go through that failure? Where God specifically says go. And they fail. Not once. Not twice. They have to go against them three times before they finally succeed. And I've come to my last point. And my last point is this. In the midst of failure, when there is no explanation, could you still trust that God is good? Could you still trust that God has the whole world in his hands? Could you trust that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called to his purpose? Do you believe God's promise when it says that he wants to give you life and life more abundantly in the midst of failure, trial? And death. I want you to think about the words of this song as I invite my good friend Vanessa up. What if blessings come through failure? What if in those times God is really teaching you the lessons He wants you to learn? Sleep. 
Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Jed. What if those failures are blessings in disguise? It was because of our failure that God sent us a Savior. Just to recap the things that we've learned today, I believe that if we fail a test, God will bring us to that same trial. Secondly, God allows failure to build our character through struggling through difficulties. I also find that failure is subjective. What we may define as failure, God may define as success. Something I learned through this experience is some lessons will only be learned through the hard knocks of failure. And probably one of the greatest, most encouraging thoughts, sometimes God allows failure in the small things so we don't fail the big one. And the last lesson I hope that we took away from this is in the midst of failure, when we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, when we don't know or have an explanation, that we would still trust in God. That we would know that He is good, that He is love, and that He is going to do all that He can to save us into His kingdom, even if it means bringing us through an array of trials in this world. How many of you this morning, you want to accept that God is good and that He has your best interests in mind? You want to raise your hand for that. And how many of you, now this might be a little bit harder, you want to not only praise God in the good times, but in the midst of that trial, in that failure, that you will exalt Him, that people will see God's character personified through you through that dark experience of failure. How many of you want to praise God in the bad times as well? Praise God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the lessons we can learn. We thank you so much that through the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, we have a lens that can go back in time and extract these precious lessons. It's so easy to find a cause and effect, to find reason an explanation in the Old Testament and when things have been done. But all of us in this room are going to experience a degree of failure, of trial in the future. May we draw near to you. May we praise you in those difficult times as well. 
I ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.